Welcome to the Breakthrough Zone, where lives are transformed one breakthrough at a time. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized coach and author, John Page Burton. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Breakthrough Zone. Beautiful Wednesday morning here in Marana, Arizona. We're at the Live the Dream Media Studios. We've got an uh, exceptionally uh, good guest today. Uh, she is the daughter of rock and roll legend Ron Tut. Terry Tut began singing at the age of five. Her musical career took her on tours across the country, and she's played with a bunch of different bands over the years. She eventually landed here in Tucson. Terry performed in various bands, but she created her own band called the Time Pilots, which she was the lead singer for many years. At age 43, Terry was diagnosed with breast cancer. Today is a 16-year career, uh, or 16-year cancer survivor, rather. Terry is an advocate for the Tucson Cancer Conqueror. She's very involved in the cancer community, is a way of giving back from her experience. Uh, for the last decade, Terry has been in the PR and healthcare industries, and she is currently in the midst of a new career reinvention. Terry Tut, welcome to the Breakthrough Zone. Thanks, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you with us today. So you've had quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting journey. Uh, you had a very unique childhood. You were the fourth oldest of ten children. Mm -hmm. uh, your dad is, you know, a rock and roll legend. For those out there, he was Elvis Presley's drummer for many years, and then when Elvis passed away, he became the drummer for Neil Diamond. And I think he's drummed for everybody. I mean, I I looked at the. Uh, the resume, Bonnie Rayet, uh, The Carpenters, Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead. I mean, your dad played with just about everybody. So tell us what it was like growing up in the, you know, in the in the home of of, of Ron Tut. And we're going to talk about your mom too, but I think it's our listeners are going to enjoy the yeah. story. I mean, it was cool, of course. I mean, as a musician myself, I mean, I look at it and I'm in awe. As his daughter, it's second nature. It's you grew up with it, you know. Right. He's cool, you know. He's a cool dad. He's dad. Unfortunately, he traveled a lot, so yeah. you know, wasn't there for, you know, the soccer games and the things that you need dad for sometimes. But right. you know, we spent the summers with him as much as possible. Parents yeah. divorced when I was seven, but you know, huge family. He married Donna forty nine years. You know, they were married forty nine years, wow. and they had four kids as well. So that's how wow. we became this morphed family. Wow! You know, great bunch. You think I'm exciting and outgoing? They are. You get us together, we'll put on a show for you. Right. Yeah, yeah. I just saw this. I just uh, saw the clip you sent to me of the tribute right. they did for your dad last year at Graceland when they actually – tell me a little bit about that. That was amazing. So my stepmom, Donna, got to go and um, be presented the award, and my sister also sings. So um, they also did a tribute to not only put together the tribute, um, that piece that you saw, where they put together his drum set as well that he played with Elvis. They call it the sparkly blue set right, that he right. played with Elvis. And he was one of the first drummers to invent the double kick. So um, so what is the double kick? It's a bass drum. So, you know, the bass drum that the drummers play? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a double kick. Um, uh, gosh, I don't even know <laughs> Design it, yeah, right. and it was allowing him to play both double, you know, both kick drums at the same time. Wow! While wow. he was playing, they actually did a um, kind of a question about was he was animal, you know, the Muppet formed after Ronnie Tut, and they said that they for sure he was an influence on that character. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow! But um, anyway, so the tribute was really, really great. And they did his drum set along with one of his outfits and then a quote. He used to say that uh, Elvis was a little bit like a stripper. He wanted you to follow every move and every cymbal ride and every, you know, bump bump that he said right. or did. So, yeah, it was a great experience. I remember going as a child and going to the shows and the Elvis, you know, comeback tours at Las Vegas. Okay. And, um, 
I remember one time Elvis was introducing the band. He's always used and on the drums from Dallas, Texas, Ronnie Tut. And we would go crazy because we had about 30 people at the table. And he'd look at Ron and say, you brought your family with you. Or he would introduce him and dad would do this drum solo, which you saw on the Mm -hmm. piece. And he would say, oh, you ate your Wheaties today, huh, Ron? So, you know, it was cool. It was great. You know, the other side of it was mom, you know, raising the kids by herself. You know, my mom was, uh, they met in Tucson. My mom was a professional ballroom dancer. And she used to teach ballroom here at the Tucson Academy of Dance. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So lots of rhythm in my family. Right. So she was, so so tell me about your mom. She's, uh, what was she like? What was she like growing up? Because, well, I mean, she had to be the, the manager of the family because manager. dad's on the road. He's playing shows every night. And and so she is probably really the biggest influence in your life, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. She's a strong force, little tiny Irish-Italian. Her her mom was Sicilian-Italian, and her, her dad was full Irish, you know. You've got the McCraneys and the Cucurulos. Right. So they married and divorced each other three times. Really? Yeah. So your mom and dad divorced three times and remarried. <laughs> My mom's parents. Your mom's parents. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the, talking about love and passion. and <laughs> Yeah, that is love and passion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, we grew up with a great, I mean, we were always putting on shows and brothers and sisters, the first generation, super close. We're all very close. Right. But unfortunately, we're all over the country <clears throat> and yeah. we're spread out all over. So have you remained though? You've you've still to this day remained. Oh yeah, close. you know there's an ebb and flow with a large family like that. Right. A couple of you don't talk for a little while, and then a couple of you are talking. You right. know, but it's fabulous. I mean, as we get older, we're I think we're learning to accept each other as we are. You know. So looking back, what are some of the the things that you really learned from childhood? Some of the things that have carried with you. Today, maybe their beliefs, maybe their values. How important family is and how important it is to allow each other to be who they are and accept them for exactly who they are and uplift them. I think when you have that big of a family, sometimes there's some competition going on, you know, between the siblings, Mm -hmm. you know, sibling Mm -hmm. rivalry, right? Right. Um, But that is something that I learned that it's family is so special you know, during the holidays, it was Santa had definitely come down that chimney. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but what, as time went by and we learned the difference of the, it's not about the present, it's about being present. Wow. And that's at a really young age, right? Mm-hmm. So later in life, and we're going to talk about later in life here in a minute, but sure. that, that had to probably have served you well. Yeah. At various points in your life. I was always the analytical one, the middle child. Everyone, you know, comes to me for the reality check. That's like my wife. She's, yeah. I, I do that too. I go to, whenever I need a reality check, I go in the disc, in the disc world, she's blue, right? So, sure. you know, and I'm more of a yellow red. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, a lot of times I, I rely on her to, yeah. to be a grounding because I can, I can get an idea and then run with it or I can get, you know, Sometimes I can get a little cuckoo and I have to be, you know, come back to to center. So that's really good, though. I mean, presence, because I think today we just live in a world today and I always go down this somehow. I always go down this on the breakthrough zone. But we live in a world today where I think uh, the art of presence is lost because we have so many distractions like coming to the studio this morning. I always have a routine. As soon as I pull out my drive, I turn on classic rock and I just jam all the way here because then I get here and get energy. <laughs> but this morning, I'm only two minutes into the drive and I've got to pull over because I'm getting blown up with two texts that I have to respond to. So I pull off in this little dirt parking lot thing and I do those real quick and then I head back on the journey. And then sure enough, this it starts blowing up again. <laughs> And, but I have to do these because they're a part of what I was working on before I left the house, right? But I see this, it, it was very difficult for me to be present this morning. And this little device is part of that. And I think that so many families now are not like present. Like you probably grew up like I did. We sat around the table and, yes. you know, in your case, your mom probably asked you a lot of like, what did you do today? What did you learn? And 
But today, I don't think that happens that much. Yeah. I think we're, we're so many people are being raised on social media, and there's so many distractions. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I miss that a lot. I miss sitting around the table, having those conversations, conversations. having Thanksgiving. Yeah, and today, for sure, I think it's we have to really put that down and again back to being present, right? Right. You know, trying to ground ourselves and be calm in this crazy world because it is a crazy world right now. It's really crazy. I recommend yeah. gardening. Gardening. You do a lot of gardening. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Gardening is therapeutic. It's great. Right? Yeah. Just planted the carrots and the broccoli and the, <laughs> there you go. And yeah. the lettuce. You yeah. bet. Yeah. So before we move on from your parents, I mean, what was, what was one of the biggest lessons your dad taught you? To just be cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. I mean, people would say, oh, you know, can we get his autograph? I'm like, yeah, sure. But he's just not that kind of a... He's not the kind of guy. He's yeah. just so laid back. He's from t- born in Dallas, Texas, as yeah. I was. Yeah. Just really soft-spoken, as you saw in the yeah. clip that I sent you. And full of gratitude. And I just mean, really humble and yeah. just kind of... Yeah. But a, but a strong man, too. Right. You know, I think right. if I would say one thing, is just super kindness. Right. You know, my mom was full of acceptance and and teaching you to be strong and you can do anything so those were lessons i was gonna ask the the lesson from her is you can do anything yeah 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 and you believe that today right i do strongly yeah you believe i'm very much if you see a picture of my mom and you look at me so tell me about your musical career gosh started singing jingles in dallas texas at five okay and uh so that was a great experience. So when you say jingles, you were yeah. actually singing commercial yeah, jingles. Yeah. Wow. Little kid commercials. Yeah. You know, little kid voice at five. I love you. You, love <laughs> you, you, you weren't Barney. Right? I wasn't Barney. Okay, right. I love purple, though. Oh, yeah. There you go. No. Um, and then as we moved to California, uh, we were part of the Sunshine Choir for one of the groups in California. And the Carpenters did that song, sing, sing a song, mm-hmm. and all the kids in the background. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of those kids. How cool is that? Yeah. Right? yeah. So the bug has always been with me. And as I got older, I started singing. In, and then we moved. To, I moved to Oregon. That's where I went to high school and everything, Bend, Oregon. And then I moved to California, uh, sorry, to Seattle. And in Seattle, I started singing around town in Seattle. I remember going to this bar downtown and watching this gal, never forget this band, Duffy Bishop and the Rhythm Dogs. Wow. And this girl had, I don't know how many color hair, and she was just, she had a wireless microphone. And, you know, I'm 15 years old in bars, you know, it's supposed to be, but back then. No, I care. (laughs) And she had a wireless microphone, and she would just go around and just sing right into people's faces and the energy, and I was like, I'm doing that. So you right there, you caught the bug. Oh. I want to be a performer. Yes. Wow. I mean, I've been performing since I was little, but yes. But you really live. want to take it to a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so I started joining bands and putting bands together and singing. And, you know, people describe my voice, Pat Benatar, Tina Turner, wow. Journey, yeah. um, Bonnie Raitt, you know, but yet I can do the Carpenters. I do standards and wow. classics, and but I love it. So you toured around the country, mm, and yeah. you opened up for a couple of uh, significant shows, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I opened up at – Old Tucson used to have the summer concert series out here. And so we opened up for Pat Benatar and Eddie Money, just to name a couple. Wow. That's yeah. when you were time pilots. That's when we were time pilots. So how did that come to – how did the time pilots come together? Because yeah. <sighs> that was a really well-known, really yeah. highly respected – Local band, but yeah. really Arizona band. Yeah, every month we would do a different theme in clothing and take a picture, and people would actually line up to have us sign the posters as a collection afterwards. Sweet, you know. So for Christmas, Sweet. we're all in Santa outfits, and nice. you know, nice. St. Patrick's, we were leprechauns. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, just to make it interesting. But we did everything from Kansas and Boston and Journey and yeah. Doobie yeah. Brothers and, you know, all the classic rock, the really good dance classic rock. And so growing up, you probably got to meet a lot of famous rock and roll people. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis Presley, Neil Diamond, because yeah. Dad played with Neil Diamond. Met Jerry Garcia. I mean, going backstage after a Jerry Garcia concert is a little wow. crazy. Oh, I imagine. That'd be wild. I, I'm a big a, Grateful Dead guy. I that was an eye-opener for sure. I'll tell you was that. it really? What was going on back then? Oh, you don't, you know, track. you yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Lots of food. Lots of food. Okay. Lots of drink. Yeah. I and bet. other things. I bet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're seeing that and you're really impressionable. And so this is all like, you're just like, wow, this is awesome. I want to do this. Mm. So even today, you still will hop up on a stage and and uh, and sing. You have absolutely no problem with that. You just pop right Whether up and go. Whether the band knows me or not, yeah. my friends will say, "You know, my friend, she's really good professional singer." And you know, the band rolls their eyes and they're like, "Oh gosh, here we go." And I did it in Dallas. I think I told you when I went yeah. to a to yeah. a conference and did I got see up. footage on that. I think there mm-hmm. was some footage. I believe I saw. Yeah, and that. the band's yeah. jaws were like. You're yeah. Ronnie Tut's drummer? Oh, <laughs> yes, you can sing. And like, yeah. You know, and for, for the longest time, it was, yeah, love me for who my father is, right? Yeah. So, but gosh, I'm so proud of him. So, well, he's a cool it's, guy. It's I okay mean, for yeah. me, you know? Yeah. If that gets me a door open, you betcha. Yeah, I've done a lot of research on him, and what co- always comes across all the time it's not, yes, he was a great drummer, but he was a good human. He was a, a guy that was really grateful for the opportunities. He never forgot that. Yeah. That's important. So you're 43 years old at the time, and you find out you have breast cancer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that whole thing with, you know, mom teaching presence or your dad teaching presence and mom, all this stuff now, I was alluding to that a minute ago, now all that stuff is really coming into focus. Yeah. Because I've never had that. I hope I never do. But the doctor says I got some 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 news that you're not probably going to like. Mm-hmm. So what was that like and how did you how did you ground yourself on that? Because that's a pretty heavy deal. Well, I think once you pick yourself up off the floor. Right. (laughs) After you hear those words you have cancer, you you become a thriver, you become a this conqueror. And I was so grateful to be able to join the Tucson Cancer Conquerors group that is all about healthy survivorship. Right. Sure, we'll cry. And we'll cry with you. We just yeah. don't let you sit there, right? right. Because um, exercise, healthy survivorship, camaraderie, um, gardening, social activities, everything that we do there is all about getting healthy and staying healthy. Right. So that when there is someday a cure for cancer, we're there because we're yeah. healthy, right? How so. did you? How did you? How did you keep it together though, hmm. mentally? Because you had to be when you're around people. That's one thing, but when you're alone or when you have to go back to your thoughts or yeah. back to your, you know, your your mind, really. I mean, it's... it's yeah. It's a whirlwind sometimes. Yeah. You have to allow yourself, I think, that time to be down when you're down and have that be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're losing your hair and you're losing your hair, your eyelashes. Everything. You know, people... Gosh, it taught me too that my hair and my breast did not define me as a woman oh wow okay you know um those things are of course important and oh yeah as women we're yeah yeah Yeah. those are two of two of our you know main features but um it it did teach me that those weren't the most important things about me it was who i was as a person inside and what could i do to better my own health and and be there for others Recently, um, I'm on the support team as well, where new survivors will reach out to us through our social media or our website. And, you know, we all take turns contacting these these great survivors that anywhere from just talking to a 31-year-old, 31, to a 60-year-old woman who's gone through triple negative breast cancer, and I'm there for them. That's invaluable. Yeah, because you're such a passionate advocate for people who've been diagnosed with cancer. Um, how what what's that process? I mean, how do you navigate? You go to someone. I mean, you talk about. And I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the 31 year old. Mm-hmm. I know that was really that really shook you up. I could tell that. Yeah. And so this is someone who's 31. They're just they're just really just getting started, and they find out that you know there's a likelihood that they they're not going to make it. I mean, how do you get into that mindset yourself to be able to help that person? Because what can you really say? I mean, that's the thing that I always, you know, you can have empathy because you've been there, you survived. I can have sympathy, but I have no idea, knock on wood, that 
you know, what that's like. So how do you get in the mindset and how do you navigate? What do you, I mean, how do you help somebody like that? What do you, what, what are you First trying to First and foremost, you listen. You listen. Yeah. Yeah. You listen to what they're saying. Because they really want to just emote. I mean, they, they just, do. yeah. And, and this gal was just tearful when mm-hmm. she came last, last Tuesday. Does she have a family? Oh. Yeah, she has kids. Blended five kids, youngest is six. Wow. You know, and um, never had any history of cancer. And we cry with you. I, I cried with her. I mean, we stood in the parking lot. The class was from 530 to 630, and then we had a little social event. It's called our birthday celebration because birthdays are a big deal around survivors, right? And we just stood there and listened to her and held her and cried with her. And she said she felt heard for the first time in a really long time. And it, as hard as it was for me and as heart-wrenching as it was, it was so fulfilling and rewarding to be able to be there for her. Mm-hmm. And I'll be there for her going through this journey. We all will be, whether the outcome. Yeah. But it's not easy sometimes. Oh, it, it can't be. Because I'm sensitive be, as well as strong. Right, because you're you've been there and you know what you know what's going through her head. I yeah. mean, you have a really good idea. Yeah, it, it seems to be, and I, I know we talked about this too. Um, that it, it's so crazy to think that we have the smartest people on earth, all over the earth. And nobody can figure this thing out, right? They get close, so they have experimental things. And I don't want to get down that that road here because, you know, I mean. We've come a long way. We've come a long way. But, you know, and it's so random. You, you really don't know. Yeah. And so it's that it's helping people. So when you're, when you're working with somebody like that, when you're helping them go through that, what's that do for you? Mm. It fills my soul for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it fills my spirit. Makes me feel like I'm giving back, you know, my journey that I went through. I can share with someone else. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, did you feel this? Did this? Did you, did you right. go through that? Right. One of the things we do too is match them up. So we have a mom's group that young moms with children. And so we'll match them up. So not only do they have me as a mentor, but they have them to talk to. So Which is so important because they're related. They can relate. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So thanks for asking about it. Yeah, no, I just, uh, it's it's something that's so important. It's such a bigger, you know, so like in your life, you have dad's a rock and roll legend. Um, I love singing. This is my career. Boom, I go through this. And all of a sudden now all of your priorities, everything in your life changed yep. overnight. Yep. Everything that you thought was so important. Which changes your perspective, right? Totally, yeah. So going how did that? Forward. I mean, so how did that change your perspective moving forward? Because everything's going well, and then boom, you get that, and now the, a lot of those things probably aren't nearly as important. You know, r- ranking them on a scale of one to five, they probably don't even make it, right? <laughs> right. Uh, how did it change my perspective? It made me realize that the little things just aren't that. Important, you know, the little bicker, the little small things aren't that important, right. and that to focus, to humble yourself in your in your walk, whether that be with God or the universe or whatever that is, and right. just try and be a you know a good person and be there for others as as others were there for me, you know. Right. And when you walk in that little bit more of a humble perspective of life, you receive. <coughs> you and I've talked about that before. You got to clear the clutter. In order to receive the blessings. So it's kind of what happened for me. Yeah. And sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, to really get our priorities. You don't want that. No, it's unfortunate that sometimes it does, but it's the truth. I'm a big believer in karma, right? So what we put out, we tend to get back, right? So if we're we're being out of integrity, then we're probably going to have trip ups along the way. But if we're, we're doing things in integrity and we're really, you know, in my case, I like to focus on service to others. How can yeah. I serve others and how can I be better myself so I can better serve? And so your career. So we so we're going to we're going to go we're going to move on from that into your career. So you're in the you know public relations industry and you're, you know, a medical liaison for last few years. And then how we met is all of a sudden um you find yourself in a career uh, career reinvention space, and yeah. so you hire me as a coach to yeah. help you figure stuff out. And so, 
What was that like? Tell, tell us a little bit about like, you know, not about your the coaching piece, but about how all of a sudden, you know, you wake up and you're a 16 year cancer survivor, right? So, and then you wake up one day and go, wow, I thought this was going to be kind of it. And lo and behold, I'm deciding to go in a different direction because this no longer is working or serves me, right? So, yeah. so what was that like? So I talked about the little things, you know, and it's hard because this was a big thing and it needed to be for sure transformed. I needed to get out of a stressful situation. And that's why I had originally reached out to you is because I knew it was time for reinvention. And I knew it was time to get out of this stress because I was feeling the same things that I had felt before. And I knew that wasn't healthy for me. So, okay. Which were? Uh, yeah, the kind of stress you mean? Yeah. Ugh. You know, the fatigue, the career trauma, basically. Right. You know, and that's kind of how I felt. I felt like I was in a, a whirlwind of career trauma and couldn't see through the trees, so to speak. Um, so we talked about, to. so I'm going to jump in here real quick because mm -hmm. we talk about like, so you've gone through medical trauma, which, you know, is pretty intense. And now you find yourself in career trauma. And I think a lot of people kind of poo-poo that, well, you get paid the big bucks, you just suck it up and deal with it. But how mm. real is career trauma? Yeah, very real. Yeah. Yeah, because it affects your body just as a dis-ease, dis right? Yeah. And I was in a dis-ease stage. Okay. I needed to get out of that. Right. Because I know what that feels like yeah. to be at a dis-ease, right? Yeah. In a dis-ease stage, rather. Right. And so I needed to get out of that. And, and the worry and the anxiety, yeah, all the, and the similarities of having not a, sleeping and the weight and the you know not wanting to do and just having to go to work, not wanting to go to work and not having that fulfillment. I had it everywhere else, really, um, except for my career, which is your bread and butter, right? Uh, it's how you make a living to be able to have volunteer experience. Yeah, you can't yeah. really, unless you're retired, right. you know. You can't fully volunteer until you're retired. So for me, that was very important. And so that's where you came along. And we started having this discussion about the foundation of who I was as a human being and finding out really I'm made up of, you know, we don't want to be cliche and it's not necessarily sugar and spice, but it's definitely hope and joy. Right, right. And without hope and joy in our lives, how can we take those walks? How can we take that next step? And yeah, that was one of the first things I remember I said, you know, yeah. What's the most important thing to you in, in a moving forward in a career? And you said joy. Yeah. And and so, you know, and I talk about this a lot, uh, a life of achievement versus a life of fulfillment. So when you're younger and your first years getting going and, you know, you're building a business, you're building a career, it's pretty much all about achievement, right? It's awards. It's all these, these outside things, you know, it's networking, prestige, but by the time I think for most people, by the time they hit around age fifty, all of a sudden those priorities change into okay, I wanna I wanna really the achievement thing is nice, but man, I, I just wanna feel fulfilled. So all of a sudden joy, happiness, meaning, you know, so when you're when you're younger in the achievement phase, right, the words you know you're tossing around are connections, networks. Um, a lot of people are basing their relationships on who can help me get to the next place. And if they can't, I'll spend my time with someone who can. But by the time you get into your 50s, I think a lot of people, words are changing completely. It's meaning, fulfillment, giving back, volunteering, contributing, mm. growth. All yeah. these things are so important, right? So, yeah. so we started talking about that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you realize that, you know, I've, I'm going to ride my career out somewhere where I can, you know, where I can get those needs met of joy and happiness. Yeah. Right? So I jumped off the cliff. You did. You jumped off the cliff, right? <laughs> but a lot I of did. people are doing that right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've talked on this show about ageism. It's there. It's real. I think there are a lot of people who are, um, they think that, well, I've always done this. What can I do now? But I think we can reinvent ourselves really at any, any, any stage, any age. My wife has just reinvented her career in the last year and a half, but really re, uh, reinvented it in the last two months, way out of her comfort zone. But she just jumps in there and goes. I mean, she's down in Jacksonville today meeting with, with clients. And um, she's happier now 
than she's ever been in her career. Mm. And yet she's, by all standards, she's later in her career, right? And this is my twin, right? This is your twin. You guys have birthdays <laughs> on the same date, and you're going to be the same age. I know. It's fun. It's crazy, right? It's fun. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, just reinventing yourself at any age. Because you, know, you get later. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this before. Fear in all aspects of your life keeps you down, keeps you held back. Yeah. Um, but you <clears throat> got to walk through the fear, don't yeah. you? You just got to say, I'm going for this. Yeah. You know, gosh, and it, I think it humbles you, you know, to know that you're in a vulnerable place. Yeah. But if you deal with it, if you deal with the fear and with a humble attitude, you know, nobody's perfect, but right. you just every day deal with it that way, then, then you can get through it to the other side. And so, and so God has these, these, these like little steps right along the way. So, the cancer sucked. I mean, let's. it was horrible. It was scary. There were probably times you thought, I'm going to die. There were times you were hoping, you know, that you probably had, like most people I imagine would, God, I wish I'd done this, or boy, if I get through this, I'm going to do that. But that prepared you for a career change, which by all accounts, it's a different kind of scary, but it's like you've built the muscles of courage because you've already gone through the ultimate scare and you've come through the other side. That's right. right. I mean, walking into the chemo room, you can either go into one side and it's quiet and, you know, they're receiving their chemo and it's kind of a little bit sad. When I walked into the chemo room, there was a bunch of gals laughing in a corner somewhere. Where do you think I went? Yeah. I'm going to find where those girls are laughing and go sit with them. Yes. Right. right? Yeah. So that's just my perspective. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it, it set you up for yeah. – you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, shit, you took, you know, like made a big deal out of all of a sudden you go, that was nothing. I mean, that was, I wasted a lot of energy on that because you're faced with that. But now you're in this transition period and you can pull from that. So I, I guess my point to all this is that because of that breakthrough, mm -hmm. right? We got, mm -hmm. always got to get a breakthrough in here, right? But because of that breakthrough, it's prepared you to face and conquer any number of challenges that come up because that's the ultimate challenge. Mm -hmm. Hey, you may die. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. No one says cool. No one does. I think the main thing I want to make sure that the point gets across that we have to honor where we are, right? And not every day is a I did it day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have to honor that day. If yeah. you're down or scared or fearful, it's the good days that take you through, right? right? That make you feel successful. Right. Right. So, you know, you have to walk through that journey in order to get to the other side and and feel that that will make you stronger and better as you go through life, right? So, so David Samarano, he just met a few minutes ago. He's, yeah. he's doing our engineering today. He, he was on the show with me last week, and we talked about how so many people think it's either everything's great or everything sucks. Right. And we forget that throughout any given day, it's great. It's marginal. It sucks. It's great again. It's bad. I use the example of somebody realizes they just won the lottery, right? Their numbers match and they're, oh my God, it's a million dollars. And they're excited and they just, they're driving home because they're, you know, got to protect the ticket and everything. And out of nowhere, they get T-boned. Mm. So you just went from this massive high to this massive low. And then, you know, you're okay and the airbag worked and then they get you out and you still got the ticket in your pocket and then you move on to the next one and then everything's good and, you know, the insurance is going to take care of it. You come home, you tell your wife, and then the dog starts choking, falls over and dies. And this is our, yeah, this is the reality of life, right? Mm -hmm. In any given day, you're, you're going to go through these fluctuations. And yeah. so being present back to your point and your dad's point was, be present because that's how you get through this. You have to learn to go with the moment. Mm. And people have a hard time doing that. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, it's a practice, right? Yeah. To be a conscientious person. Yeah. You can go through life looking in two corners, just right and left and walking that way. Or you can start looking in all four corners and you will be amazed at what you see. Yes. And what you find by being present and right. saying, you know, I can do nothing else but right here in front of me at this time. At this moment. At yeah. this moment. Right. 
And so we stay, I, I wrote a quote a couple weeks ago about, you know, don't use the present as a footbridge between the past and the future, right? Because mm-hmm. we do that. We're going, oh, you know, because of this 25 years ago, I'm here. And then I'm sure this Thanksgiving is going to really suck when Uncle Charlie comes. And mm-hmm. But you're missing October, right? Right. Right. So we do that. So what are two, I'm going to put a number on this one. What are two lessons you've learned and taken with you um, as you've navigated through the ups and downs of your life? Mm. To be humble, first of all. Okay, to be humble. Yeah. And again, present. Presence and humble. humble. Present. Yeah. Yeah. Humility's humility's kind of kind of a trip. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of tough sometimes, right? Cause, yeah. Because the ego's always because I'm an Irish Italian strong woman. Right. And to be humble yeah. and 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 tame that calmness that can come out pretty right. easily. Yeah, yeah. You because know, I'm a performer too. I, I am exuberant and I'm a, my friends describe me, I've told you about this as Tigger, you know, where yeah. I'm like full of this joy and bouncing in. And so sometimes that can be misconstrued, right? right. And so it's hard, but so how do you that's stay who hum- I am. So how do you stay humble? I mean, it's so, because the ego, ego just is such a mm. powerful, like for, for years I had a really hard time saying thank you. Like people would go, hey, that was really good. And I'd go, yeah, but it could have been better if I'd done this. And it was my wife who would say, can you just say thank you? Just mm. thank you's fine. it's practice right it's practice practice. when we learn a song we practice right we listen to the words we listen to the melody you know i kind of look at it as a little bit of the melody of life right yeah you know it's that mastery like i had a post i put out yesterday about um ten thousand hours right Mm. yeah i saw that it was great so to become to become a master Mm. Like your dad just didn't jump on the drums one day and go, hey, I really like playing the drums. I mean, to get that good to where I've, you know, I heard a story you might have told me or I might have read this where Elvis used to screw with him on stage because Elvis was always moving and he would, your dad would move the drums with Elvis. It was like they were one and then Elvis would screw with him and try to throw your dad off and he couldn't because your dad was so locked in, so present. That if Elvis did a double hip thing, he did a yeah. That's you know that's kind of that's kind of crazy, right? To be yeah. that's the ultimate presence when you're just you are so locked into the moment. And then also to realize that you can't do it alone. It takes a village. It takes a village, right? Yeah. Like a band's only as good as all the members, right? So people say, "Oh, your your guitar player is so great," you know. And I was like, "Yeah, the whole band is so good, right?" Yeah, his solo was amazing, right? Right. Or people would just come up and go, "You're such an amazing singer." Yeah. And my answer is, "Thank you." Mm-hmm. The band is what makes it for me. The band's what makes it, right? Because yeah, right. the singer's only as good as the bands that's supporting her. And that's the same thing in a professional career. Right. Yeah. When you're joining a team. Right. I left this interview yesterday wanting to jump in the air and tap my heels. Right. I was so excited. Nice. I haven't had a chance to tell you I'm about it yet. I'm looking forward to hearing this after the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. So it was but a big interview for It you. was. But kind I, of a dream position maybe too, mm-hmm. right? I mean it's like between the nonprofit and the for profit world. Yeah. So it's kinda of right in the middle. That would be awesome. Because I know for me it's like when I see these success stories like this. When it happens, I'm like, yes, yes. Exactly. I played a small part in that, but I, it's like I'm celebrating with you because it's such a big, uh, mm-hmm. it's a big deal, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, what are you most proud of in your life? What are you most proud of? Hmm. I would say I'm most proud of that people. Pers- I've been told in some of the work that we've done together of asking people how they perceive you and mm-hmm. you know is that pre- people perceive me as as being strong kind humble outgoing loving supportive i'm proud of the woman that i've become at the age that i am okay well and it's through so many trials Lessons. Lessons and trials. I mean, testing. You're being tested. And each time that you're tested, again, it's like you build those, I call muscles of courage, but Mm. it really shapes your your character. 
I call it my tut tool belt. The tut tool belt. Wow, the TTB. <laughs> gotta gotta brand that somehow. Yeah, TTB. Somebody write that down. That's one ten percent. Ten years from now, uh, who is Terry Tut? Mm, definitely retired. Okay. And enjoying life more. Okay. Um, for sure, volunteering, the animal shelters, yeah. Tucson Cancer Conquerors, giving back. Gardening, you'll find me in the garden mm-hmm. often. So animals. Mm. Talk to me about animals. That keeps coming up, you know. I've love it. Love animals. What what is your connection to uh animals? What's your favorite animal? Oh, what's my favorite animal? Well, the dog, I would say. The I mean dog. if I had to pick one. I've got great dogs. I just love them. Yeah. We saw these Irish wolfhounds last night. They were as almost as tall as me. Now I know I'm not very tall. Right, yeah, yeah. But two of them. <laughs> yeah. Giant animals, mm. as kind and loving yeah. and supportive. Yeah. You know, there's organizations like Pet Partners mm-hmm. that have mm-hmm. social um, service dogs for folks, yeah. and God, they make the world go round. One of do. our dogs has got has gone blind, right? So yeah. last year she was starting to go blind, fell in a friend's swimming pool, they fished her out, mm. but now she's blind. So Diana's on a trip, so all day yesterday she's like in my office. And then she hates the wind. And, of course, we wake up this morning to wind. Mm-hmm. It's very windy. And so she's, again, in my office. And I found myself like going, okay, guys, I'll be back in a couple hours. <laughs> Sorry, but now our other one in carries and sleep. Yeah, but she's like, you know, okay, where's mom? There's the wind. Boo, yeah. boo, boo, boo. But, but dogs babies. are so awesome, man. They're just you know, so fur babies. They're just awesome. Amazing. They didn't yeah. leave my side when I went through treatment. Yeah. Did not leave my They side. know, right? I mean, mm. animals know. They're very intuitive and they're very awesome. And I just lost my uh, ni- almost 19-year-old, you know, the last of five wow. little guy, TJ. And so, yeah, um, so I children as well. I'm that way with kids. Right. And that's why I think I'm so close with my goddaughter and my nieces and mm-hmm. nephews. And they're like, I'm not Aunt Terry. I'm Auntie. Mm-hmm. So when it, when when was a uh, time in your life where you feel like you just had this was the one breakthrough moment for you when you realized when the light went off and you went okay I get it I get this I get where I just get it professionally or personally both we have hmm. time hmm I get it. Like, get it as in get life. Yeah, I just get it. I mean, I understand now why I've gone through this. I understand, you know, why things. Recently. Yeah. Recently. Okay. I mean, I think as you get older and in my two belt. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you finally have this humble confidence, you know. You just know what you know, right? Yeah. You just know what you know because of the journey you've been through. Yeah. You know, and the stories you get to tell and share and yeah. and help and yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I was know. before I came over here, I was talking, I have a client in Norway that I was talking with this morning and she and I were kind of having the same conversation. You just get to a certain point where so many of the things that you thought really mattered don't you start to really get, you really start to choose your relationships more closely. You realize that just because somebody's related doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. You know, you start to get wiser because you you realize that, I think there's a part of it that you realize, okay, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the backstretch here a little bit. Yeah. And so, so many, we were talking about how so many things that maybe even really mattered. Yeah. Like we put a flag in the ground or, Five years ago, 10 years ago, you realized it's yeah. completely worthless, you know, use of energy. Right? I wish I had learned a lot of those lessons earlier. Right. Yeah. I would have had a much more fulfilling life. Right. You know. And yet it's always delivered exactly when it's supposed to be. Yeah. And it will continue to be delivered until you get it. Exactly. Like I keep having these ones that come up and I go, why does these keep coming up? Yeah. And I hear this voice going, because you refuse to listen you refuse to change direction you refuse to and, and but yet i'm still there and I, yeah i'm a reasonably smart guy i'm not smart, ever never the smartest guy in the room i hope but um you know i'd like to think i'm reasonably intelligent and yet i still continue from time to time to make stupid mistakes or i make stupid statements or i take something really personally and and then i realize later okay 
why did I do that again? Mm. But part of that is recognizing that, right? Right. It's managing it, mm-hmm. right? And then I go, okay, that won't ever happen again, but it will next week, right? So, <laughs> so, but it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's recognizing that when something comes up, and I think mastery is like overused because people go, hey, you're, you're kind of mastery. You mastered this. I haven't mastered anything. I got my 10,000 hours for mm. sure, but I'll do 10,000 more if it means I can serve you better, mm. right? But I think I just know how to manage them or I see things come up and I go, oh, crap, you know. And, but I, I don't stay there usually. Like yeah, I don't stay angry very much. I mean, I get pissed mm, sometimes, but, sure. but I don't stay there. Yeah. Doesn't no, I, I definitely do that. Yeah. But that mirror conversation we've talked about before, you know, having that conversation with yourself yeah. in the mirror. Uncomfortable. Ooh. Ooh yeah, it's a tough one. That's, you know. Yeah. Now, I always try to deflect that, too, when I do those mirror exercises. I always try to do cross-eyes and stuff. I try to inject humor because I don't like looking at myself <laughs> in the mirror and having that conversation. But isn't humor the way that, uh, you know, it lightens it up? It lightens everything a up. Bunch, you know, a bunch. You're working out, and it's, well, you're doing these lunges or these push-ups. Well, right, you right, start right. laughing, and all of a sudden you're lightened up, you know. Right, right. Any situations, if you start laughing. You know, music, for example, yeah. releases these endorphins into our brains, and so does so does laughing right you know so yeah. i'm all about that positive reinforcement you know? right doesn't mean that i'm not going to fall or trip but because you will yeah and the minute you say i want i will you will. yeah yeah it happens all the time but the goal is to get back to the other side yeah. right i had a client yesterday it was funny he's going yeah he goes thanks to you you know i've been able to get through this and i just feel like i've closed that door so i waited about a minute and a half and then i just triggered him and i watched the whole thing change i said <laughs> gotcha and he goes <laughs> But he was, he was, he was proud. I got this. It's never going to, I'm not going to fall for this again. Blah, blah, blah. It's relationship stuff, right? But man, I just, I waited. I waited too. I didn't do it right away. I waited like a minute. Mm-hmm. And then I came in with something. I watched him. He got, and then he knew I was doing it. <laughs> so I was like, you caught yourself. Never say never. Because mm. never is a really, really long time. Yeah. It's a really long time. Yeah. What advice would you, uh, would you give to your 30 year old self? I would give my 30-year-old self the advice of saving money and investing in yourself, in your portfolio early in life so that when you're older, you have the ability to make the choices of joy that you want to because you can retire early. It's unfortunate that money is part of that, but... It's true. If you have the financial stability right. to be an early retiree, mm-hmm. you're able to donate your time and give more. And you it really is can. more yeah. fulfilling. Absolutely. Right? Because yeah. I think that for me, I, I'd be singing more. I'd be doing the Tucson Cancer Conquers uh, activities more. I'd be at the dog facility more. I seriously would if I didn't have to work. Right. So for me, saying save when you're young so that you can do those things when you're older. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because we had a guest on here about a month ago, Diana Charbonneau, who's someone here in Tucson mm-hmm. I just really like yeah, and respect I like her, her too. so much. And and she was talking about that. I mean, she's on this crusade at, like, she's in her you know mid-30s, but she's on this crusade to really get people more financially literate mm-hmm. for that reason because you know retirement's potentially could be a long time and and so you know and then there are a lot, a lot of people who know fault of their own um and it's probably going to happen again here shortly they're watching their 401k shrink and all that um because it's no fault of their own but like for myself i enjoy what I do, right? So I just reinvented my own career so that I could work pe- with people like you that would extend mm-hmm. my career longer so I could be more relevant, right? I mentor a lot of young people, but now I professionally coach and teach, you know, a lot of people that are in their, you know, the 45 plus, it's more 50 plus. And, but, uh, you know, it seems like everybody is looking for um, happiness, mm-hmm. happiness and joy, man. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, you know, what you know what age i mean once you get to that 50 mark and i say that your whole perspective changes i shared this with a young guy last week at lunch i said you know you're you know 15 years from now you're going to have an entirely different take 
than you do now. Mm-hmm. And, and run with what you're doing now because it's working well for you. But in 15, 20 years, you're going to have an entirely different take on all this. That's but, right. That's right. It's a so, different perspective, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's important to be able to learn those lessons so that we can be in a humble place, you know, and receive all this the things that I am about, which is joy and happiness. Right. So you can fulfill that in your life so you can continue to give, see your family, yeah. you know. Yeah. Not live with your family, but be with your family. Be with your family. And then <laughs> right. and then to surround yourself, you know, surround yourself with people who are on a similar journey, yeah. similar beliefs and values. You, mindset. You know, we talked about that mindset, a lot. You yeah. know? Mindset's so important, right? Yeah. To fill yourself with that same mindset, right? To surround yourself and help show people that, that there is a different way to think about that. Yes, you're going through a really tough time and let's Let's help figure that out, right? right? But the mindset, the practicing of doing that, I was asked that yesterday, how do you keep this positive attitude? And I said, well, just so you know, it's not always. But if you try and you practice those tools that are given to you in my t- tool belt, yes, then then you have things to draw from, right? Right. Besides picking up the phone and calling you, right? Right. <laughs> John. Yes. But I think we all, we all do that. And I think everybody... Every successful person I know, honestly, as a coach, every successful person I know has a very carefully crafted circle of influence. Mm. And because you want to be around people who lift you up. And when you go through something like you did at 43, you needed to have people around you that could lift you up. You didn't need negative Nelly and negative Bob. You needed people who are going to help you energize because that's just how it is. And when you find yourself going, I simply can't do this anymore. I'm willing to take a risk and I'd rather just face uncertainty than another day in this doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a big, that's a big thing, especially Mm -hmm. as we get older. Right. So, but you have those, those tools. I appreciate you being on the show today. It's been fun to uh, watch this process evolve to be a sm- play a small role in that, but to have you on the show because not only is it cool that your dad was Elvis's drummer, but bigger than that, obviously, it's it's your story and your life and how you see the world around you. So thank you for uh, thank you for coming on the Breakthrough Zone. We appreciate yeah. that. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. It was a joy. Right on. Folks, that's it for today's show. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. We've got a very special guest. Until that time, everybody go out this week. uh, Treat everybody you meet with dignity and respect. Be kind. And until next time, take care. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. To learn more about John, visit johnpageburton.com. See you next time in the Breakthrough Zone.